me ask a question. What would your life look like had, as a child, now, but let's start with an early age, what would your life be like if you had absolute confidence? Assurance that what you believe in, what you know, where you're going, it's going to be okay. Actually, there's a plan. That if you mess up, there's a, you know, someone's going to come along with an answer. Would your life look different? Would, I mean, if that just started happening now. So just have absolute confidence. I, I, I'm, I'm, I know it's going to work. Well, let me apply that. What would your life look like? And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian, a non-Christian, a searching Christian, you know, Christian-esque, you know. <laughs> what would your life look like if you had absolute faith in God? That, that no matter, you know, you're, you try your best, but if something messes up, God's going to see you through. That he's got your back. And he knows your name. You know, so if you notice that, you know, if you, you pray a lot and you get praying, you know, you, we pray like, you know, we're, we're driving by God. Okay, God, well, bless this, got it, okay. You know, pull around, pay for it like at McDonald's. You know, we try to see how fast we, we can get done with it. But to have that assurance that he knows your name. I think that would remarkably change what I would have had from a young child. Where's shame when you have confidence that you're okay and you're loved? Where, where does fear live in you when the end of the day just going, you know, I know I'm going to make it, and if I don't? Remember when you came of a certain age when you wondered, what happens when you die? I think I was about seven, seven or eight. And I was like, hey, my grandfather had just died. And like, ah, you know, I thought it was a big party, all these flashing lights and everything. Then I realized he went off and I never saw him again. And it's like, it puts, there's fear that comes into your life. And our lives would be completely different if we had that assurance. That this God would never leave me nor forsake me. Because Christians fear that. You know, I always like these stories. Uh, if you're ever on a plane, and it happens to me all the time, you know, people going, well, uh, I'm going over here to you know, do this, and I'm a businessman. And they go, what do you do? I'm going to pastor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, uh, I walked away from church. You know, it hurt me. Well, we're flying out of Denver, and when the pilot says, this is going to be rough, stewardesses, sit down. And you get that, <gasps> and something falls in the back. The guy who was hurt by church went, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. <laughs> They're searching for God at 33,000 feet. <laughs> it's like, all oh, that, it's amazing. But I can tell by the cry in his voice, he doesn't have assurance. Would we? Well, we just started the year off with the theme of 
gather, grow, and go. We finished the month of gather. And this whole thought of gathering, uh, it, it, it's interesting that if you gather in the right place, no matter where, what, what you're doing, it could be you gather with a couple of friends to go boating. You can either grow or you don't grow. It's, Jesus tells a story that goes like this. He, he describes gathering, <clears throat> how you should gather. And he talks about throwing seeds. He goes, you know, um, you can gather these seeds on this soil over here, and the birds come and eat it. Or we can gather these seeds over here, you know, and it's rocky soil and it never takes root. Uh, he's talking about not how good the seed is. He's talking about how good is the gather. Where are these seeds gathering at? Because if the seeds don't gather in a good place, they're not going to grow. If you gather in the right place, you grow no matter what. Some of us go to home groups because, you know, we got to gather more often. Some of us, you know, Sunday morning. I don't miss Sunday morning, so I got to gather. But we gather, and no matter what seed gets thrown, if it's good soil where you gathered, it's going to grow. I'm a farmer. I farm. I got like 200 onions right now in, in, in the backyard, well, the field. And <clears throat> that's why my breath is always so wonderful. Um, <laughs> I have other things besides onions, but they, that's just a huge number of onions. So that <clears throat> some seeds don't keep from year to year. Some seeds only keep like six months. Certain tomato plants, you know, you can't reuse their seeds because they cross-pollinate, but... but as the seed gets older, not as many germinate. So here's what I do. I, if I have seed and I know it's old, I just put more seed in good soil. It doesn't matter how good a seed I put in sand. It ain't going to do good. So th that pretty much, I, I believe, is, is, is a little synopsis of, of what Jesus would say about gathering. We went, spent a whole month on it, uh, on this whole process of uh, and so the, the Bible tells us that there's something that we need to grow in. So now we, we know what to gather, but now we're to grow in something. And it says that we need to grow in our faith. The disciples even say, you know, we're going to see today in the chapter of book of Luke chapter 17 about them saying, goes, increase our faith. Like you can snap your fingers or wave your hands over and increase our faith. And Jesus is going to give them a shocking story. It's going to be shocking to us. It's one of the toughest or hardest teachings of Jesus in the scriptures. So, in, in this whole topic of faith and growing in it, there's one thing that I found out about faith. Faith doesn't idle well. It doesn't sit still well. It's kind of like marriage. Marriage doesn't sit well idling. It's like, well, we got married, honey. Let's just sit down and look at each other. And tomorrow we'll go to work and come back and let's just sit down and look at each other. Marriage does not idle well. And according to the scriptures, faith doesn't idle well. It is either growing or it's regressing. Uh, people... <clears throat> That who said, oh, I'm taking a break from church. Like, that tells me faith 
is going to be idling and it doesn't idle well. You're regressing. You're not growing. No one can tell me that, that that's not true of marriage or, and faith alike. I'm taking a break. I'm doing this. I, I know, I've known pastors who have retired and they backslide. If you're not growing in God, you're going away from God. Something has your attention, and if, it's, if God doesn't have your attention, something else does. And that's the picture that we're going to see that Jesus is going to paint for us in these scriptures. So, let's kind of look, how to grow my faith. So, this teaching is from Luke 17. And the apostles said to the Lord, now guess who these apostles are? They're Matthew, a tax collector. Jesus goes and has lunch with them and goes, hey, come follow me. All right. How about Peter, John? They, they, they were in their dad's business, fishermen. They heard Jesus teaching, and he goes, come, I'll make you fishermen. He goes, hey, see you later, dad. And these are the same guys that now come to Jesus and they go, increase our faith. Because what they've done in the flesh, you would say, is pretty much pretty faithful, right? It's like, what kind of faith does it take to leave, get up and leave a tax collector made? Man, they're kicking it down. And so in our mind, we're thinking, these guys had so much faith. And Jesus is getting ready to tell them. And you kind of wonder. You kind of wonder if there's not a little of that, Jesus, <clears throat> If, he, if they say increase our faith, what is it taking for granted? That I have faith. You see, when you have faith, you have a radio voice. <laughs> Don't I sound confident? It's easy to listen to. But Jesus, you know, just don't show up and do that to Jesus. He sees through it. And they say, Lord... Increase our faith. Wow. Jesus replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. You know what God, Jesus just said to him? Buddy, if you had this much <laughs> If, boys, if you had that much, you'd be ahead of where you're at right now. You see, Jesus was saying, you know what you did? You consider it faith. <clears throat> but you, you need to know something. It's not real faith. As we go through it, and the whole chapter talks about, and I'm only going to cover a few points, one big one and then a bunch of little ones that the Spirit of God is going to speak to you. Because sometimes if I put too much information up here, you're up here reading this, writing it down, whatever, and, and, and I want the Spirit of God to speak to you for your situation. Is that okay? I trust you that much, and I really trust the Holy Spirit that much. Okay. There's a whole lot in this. And I'm only covering the first section of this. There's three more big points that either Dr. Crystal or I will cover 
the next two weeks. But this is the, t- this is the beginning. You know, when you go to Jesus and you think you're full of something, and he just goes, nothing. There's just nothing there. We got to build a different foundation. So while they're thinking, go oh, increase this thing that I have. I've, I've left my, my, my work. I left my job. I left my family. I... <clears throat> Jesus said, no. It, it, it comes down to this. If it's real faith, what you're talking about is something that you did one time, uh, you, you thought one time, and Jesus is about to explain to them, it is a lifestyle, it's a language, it's an action, it, it, is, it is that, because it says the, the, righteous, the righteous live by faith. We want to say, oh, the righteous do faith. Or I have faith. No, it becomes your life. It becomes your life. Jesus says, that's faith. The righteous live this way. Wow. So, when Jesus said this, what he's pointing out to, guys, it's not quantity, it's quality. You're saying, I want whatever it is, I'm going to do a whole bunch of it. He goes, no, no, no. You've got to understand what it is. It's not a thing. It's, it's, it's a mindset. It's a place where you live. It's a place where you think. It's a place where you sleep. And, and it, it's, as long as it's real, Jesus is saying, it's enough. If it's real, if it's this big, that's all you need. But you got to know what that is to work towards it. Real faith can just speak. And when you have real faith, you're saying, I can speak into the elements and they change. I speak to this world when when I'm doing it from real faith. I can change the elements. Faith not only can change the elements, but it, it, it can speak to a dead soul and say, live in Jesus. And it says that he gives us that much faith. That's a starting place. Well... Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous will live by faith. Not do something, not go somewhere, not wear something, not say something. But they will live. It is a place where we live. And, and, and that place, is, it, starts, it starts here. How to grow my faith. You must grow in your understanding of God's hatred of sin. And, and this, this is what's really, really difficult, especially for the culture that we live in, that in, 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 we live in a postmodernism time where it means there are no absolutes. You can't tell me. You can't tell me. Well, yes, I can. You don't have to believe it. Uh, they don't like saying that God has these absolutes, but God 
is absolute. That's where our confidence comes from. What he says is absolute. And we try to, to tell people, well, you know, I, God wants me to be happy. True? Said live life to the full. So I'm not real happy in my marriage, so I'm going to go have an affair. That's where I'm really happy. I hear that. I see it. Hey, what? That comes from God, you know, God loves sinners. We're all sinners. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. God loves sinners. Is that true? Are we all sinners? Except for him. Okay. But you know, it's the rest of that statement that we don't tell people. So the, the, the full statement is God hates sin, but loves sinners. See, there's a perspective there. If you don't realize that God hates sin and loves sinners, well, buddy, he's got to really love me. I'm the best sinner there is in here. And it's like, but wait a minute. He's loving us to release us from the trap of sin. And you know what? If we really loved God, if we really loved God, we would fall in love with the things that he loves. And not only that, we would hate the things that he hates. You know, my, my wife, it's kind of like, oh, I want to love my wife, right? But I need to know what she hates. For me to truly love her and boo and I, I got to know what she hates. Let's say she loves jewelry. Her birthday's coming up. She wants jewelry. I know nothing about jewelry. But I want to love her and give her jewelry. So I'm going to go get with my old girlfriend who knows jewelry to help me buy something for her. Can anyone say stupid? If I don't know what she hates, I honestly can't love her the way she wants to be loved. So although it kind of comes across as a negative thing, God hates sin. We've got to find out what he thinks sin is. See, we think sin is one thing, and God thinks sin is something else. So we've got to learn all about that. There's things that you're thinking that, you know, well, you know, I, I smoke. God hates me. No, he's just, you're just going to see him before the rest of us. <laughs> I don't. Wow. Are we coming across? Because this is why he's like, oh, gosh. <clears throat> it's, I even haven't gotten the hard part yet. You know, I just, let's, let's go back. Uh, so people in this postmodernistic, like, God doesn't want to deny me my happiness. Let's go, Wait a minute. You need to know what he hates. And what he loves. You see... It go, I'm going to go back to that story about the, the, the seed. Faith, it's like throwing it out. You know, some falls you know, to the birds, some falls rocky soil, some falls where people are going to trample on it. He said that there's some that falls on soil and it quickly springs up. 
But then, the love of this life chokes it. And some of us will get a good start in the faith, but the love of this life comes and chokes it out. The love of this flesh comes and chokes it out. So let's blame church. They didn't have my back. They hurt me. No. You love the things that God hates. And it's easy to blame church instead of blaming God. It's much, it's much easier to blame a flawed institution than it is to blame God. But everything in this world is in competition for our faith. Everything. It's yelling, love me, like me, spend time with me, come, enjoy me. You love it. We love you. Everything is in competition. And God wants to be first in everything. Wow. So, Jesus is about to bring up a word, hate. And I want you to know that hate isn't a negative. It doesn't have to be a negative word. Hate, to say I hate something, is to bring contrast. Okay, if I hate something, it doesn't mean God, it's just that God hates. He hates sin. But the word hate is to bring contrast. So, the scriptures go on to tell us, Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations and sin. He settled with it. He knows it. There's always going to be temptations. There's always going to be a competition for your faith. That's why he's readying himself to die on the cross to deal with that. It, <laughs> Humans have, I gotta watch the time here. I'm having fun. All right. <clears throat> Who stuck the fork in the outlet? Growing up. <laughs> Not yesterday. <laughs> and you know why I did it? You know why I did it? Because my parents say, don't ever do that. What is so fun about that that they tell me not to do it? Like, oh gosh, don't look up. Did anyone look up? <laughs> the second I say don't, you go, what? Don't look up. <laughs> don't touch this. Colossians says, hey, don't touch this. Don't do this. Don't eat this. Don't drink this. It sounds really good, but it has no value because you're going to do it. <laughs> and if you don't do it, you get all puffed up thinking, I didn't do it. I'm better than the rest. It's a trap. And the Bible tells us that. That's not what faith is, not eating or drinking or sniffing or, you know, jumping out of a plane. That's not what it is. People get hung up going, I've never done that. Ooh. Oh, could you pray and bless me? You know. And this guy here goes, I do it all. You know, 
we're all sinners. Screw them. You know? <laughs> Jesus looks at him and goes, silly, 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 silly. Wow. Don't. Did does don't work with a two-year-old? Not without this or paddle. <laughs> well, I didn't with me, I know that, or Aslan especially. <laughs> There's gonna be temptations. God. How good was that chocolate cake last week? Sinfully good. <laughs> it's just all a part of us. Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but woe to the man who does the tempting. Have you ever noticed the person who's walking in sin? I mean, and, and they're walking in sin because they're a believer, or they were a believer. Those, those who have not made that decision, you're going, well, sin, I'm a pretty good guy. And what have I done wrong? Ah, you know, nothing, you know, because you're not doing anything right. <laughs> you don't know what wrong is. You've not had that, that, that flesh in your heart taken away, except to the Lord. It's coming. We're all in a different place in this faith walk. But there's a woe. He didn't say woe to the sinner, did he? Thank you, Jesus. But he said woe to that one who wants to make hell a little bigger. If I gather more people doing this, then it justifies what I'm doing. If I can get more people to agree and go partying with me, isn't it amazing, you know, somebody comes up to you in a grocery store and goes, hey, can you buy me a bag of chips and a steak? You're going, what are you talking about? Get away from me. You know, walk into a bar. Hey, you like a drink? <laughs> hey, you want to go here? Hey. It's amazing. It says, woe to the man who does the tempting. We don't need the devil. We just need a fallen man. Come on. It's Friday night. Come on. Well, look what happens to him. If he were thrown into the sea with a huge rock tied to his neck, he would be far better off than facing the punishment in store for those who harm these little children's soul. I am warning you. Isn't it interesting that he saw them as children? So many of us in here, we were damaged as children, and God cared. God cared. He was there, and he's made a statement. He says, woe to you who hurt these little ones. I'm, I'm amazed at you know, the, the ravages of, of, of words and, and divorce and what death and, and abandonment has done to so many of us as a child. And we're still dealing with it today. And God is saying, I'm watching and if those who did this to you do not repent, woe to them. Woe to them. But he just didn't leave it there. I am warning you. 
Then he goes, rebuke your brother if he sins. You know, we want to say, oh, hey, hey, man, hey, man, I, I'm not judging you. I, who, uh, no, no, you, you live there. The Bible says, wait a minute, we're talking about living faith. And there's a reason why it says, rebuke, hey, bro, hey, you know, I noticed you're going out to lunch with our coworker here, and y'all are by yourself. That, that's that's got to be wrong, man. I'm concerned for you. You're correcting him. You're trying to, to love him. Oh, man, you're judging me. Oh, brother, I'm trying to love you. Well, you're going, I don't want to hurt that friendship. Because you love the friendship more than you love your friend. You risk the friendship into saving your friend from that pain, that falling. This is where you live. You know, my flesh doesn't want to live here. But that's what faith is. It isn't one thing you do. It's, 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 it's your entire lifestyle. Wow. Rebuke you, brother, if he sins. And the, he goes, and forgive him if he's sorry. If he repents, not, okay, there's two, there's, Two sorries. They're sorry. I'm sorry I got caught. You know. And then they're sorry I'm going to change. You know, and now it's put on the other hand. That person who damaged you, who hurt you, what happens if they come to knowledge of what they've done and they come to you and they, they ask you to forgive me, I can't believe it, I'm changing and, and you can see this, that, I, that I'm struggling and trying to change. Now the weight is put on us because we have to forgive them. If we don't forget them, you know, we're putting ourselves in God's judgment seat and condemning them. And God said, no, you're condemning yourself when you do that. It's amazing how many people, you know, we've had, we've had situations, and unfortunately more than just one, where somebody had committed an obvious sin without question. And people would listen to all those, just forgive them, just forgive them. Oh, just forgive them and move on. Just forgive them. And I'm trying to say, they have not asked for forgiveness. Oh, just love, 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 love. You know, you don't raise a two-year-old that way. You don't allow an adult to live that way. God doesn't. Said, just rebuke them. And if they ask, saying they're sorry, saying I'm changing, look, I'm changing. If they ask, forgive them, or else you are now in that seat. That's the hardest thing that I had with, you know, I always tease about Aslan, is that it didn't matter how many times I had to discipline her, and she just I go, go tell your sisters you're sorry. You know, in the, in the bathroom, she goes, okay. And I come out there and she goes, I'm like, oh, please make daddy not cry. <laughs> but we couldn't, let her, we couldn't let her free from not saying she was sorry. 
or would have put something in her that to this day David would be paying for. This is my daughter, for some of you who don't know, Aslan. She spoke last week. Wow. Well. Even if he wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, forgive him. The scriptures go on to tell us. I'm going to throw this one in there. It says you've got to love the Lord to a level. Here's, here's my what hatred is. He said, if you don't hate your mother and father compared to what loving and believing in me, you have nothing to do with my kingdom. He's not saying hate them. He was showing the comparison at the level of what faith is. How many agree that we need to grow in faith? That, that, that blows my mind because the scriptures tell us, I mean, it tells us to honor our parents. And, and I have honored them. But it says when you compare, you compare God and your parents, it's hatred compared to where we're supposed to be. And you know, when we get there, we can tell mulberry bushes. I wouldn't recognize one if I saw one, but we could tell it to jump in the ocean. When I'm there, I can do that. But we're all moving towards it. And it's a state of being. It's a state of being. And we do this inch by inch. We move forward. Remember, wow. Has anyone ever lost someone to cancer? Crystal's mom, my, my dad. Cancer sucks. It just does. It, 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 it kills young people, old people, rich people, poor people, white people, black people, yellow people. It just, it's just a horrible. And God is saying, sin is a cancer. That it's just not going to destroy this life. It can destroy the one to come. We're all sinners saved by grace. But woe to that person who's doing the tempting. Woe to that person who's not loving your friend enough to say, bro, I see something that's not good. Is there anything I can do? Is there someone who's asked for forgiveness that we've not forgiven? You don't know how much they've hurt us. Seven times a day? They hurt you that much every day? Unfortunately, some little people probably yes when you were younger. Today's a good day for us to agree to be faithful. There's two commands that the Lord tells us to do. One, baptism and communion. So if you could stand with me now as we honor the Lord. Because he said, you know what? We're not going to do this in heaven. It ends 
the day you appear in heaven. But until then, to do this. Now, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, if you don't have any, just raise your hand. We've got people in the highway. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with the disciples. It's one one of those things again. Jesus kind of just, hey guys, listen to this. Listen to this story. I'm going to be offered up. You see this bread? This bread is my body. And he breaks it. I'm going to offer this bread to whoever will eat it. Whoever will join in this. And you're recognizing with the scourging that Jesus took, being imprisoned. We don't know what happened when his unconscious body was drugged after being flogged. What happened to him? I mean, they ripped his clothes off. He goes, you take this bridge, you're recognizing that I did this for you, for your healing, for your wholeness. So he tells, guys, eat it. So Father, we take this and we partake in what you did for us. Then he took the wine. He goes, this is a new contract, a covenant. This is going to represent the blood that is going to flow from that cross. That when they cut me in on the side, and you see the water and the blood have separated to prove that I died on the cross. Because this is that contract that I'm signing I've written it for you, and you're signing it by taking it. That you come under the saving power of that blood, the healing power of that blood. That we can walk in wholeness because of this. And before you take this, purpose in your heart right now, if someone has asked for forgiveness and you see that they've changed, just purpose right now that you are going to do everything you know to forgive them. If there's someone that you believe you've wronged, agree right now that you're going to go to them and say that you're sorry and I've changed or I am changing. That's the power. When we line up, when all of our life lines up with just a little drink right now, it's not just we took community. It's the entire process of how we live. That's faith. Jesus said, this is the new covenant that I've written. Just take and drink. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your son, your blessed son, and his sacrifice. In Jesus' name.